Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Hello and welcome to Mortification of Spin Bully Pulpit. My name's Carl Truman. I'm pastor of Cornerstone Presbyterian Church in Ambler, Pennsylvania. And I'm here with my two co-hosts, uh, Amy Bird, the housewife theologian, and Todd Pruitt, pastor of a very large PCA megachurch in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Today we want to talk about a topic that's proved somewhat contentious over the last couple of months, and that is the the rather acrimonious discussions that have surrounded the equally acrimonious election of a senator to fill the position vacated by Jeff Sessions' appointment as Attorney General by President Donald Trump. For those listening uh, abroad, essentially what went on is that there was a, a somewhat radical Republican figure, Judge Roy Moore. He ran for the Republican Party, the GOP, initially opposed by the GOP establishment and then latterly supported by them, ran against a Democrat, Doug Jones. The race was made more contentious by the fact that a series of allegations, none of which I should say have yet been proven as far as I know in any court of law, a series of allegations uh, emerged against Doug Jones that he had uh, dated uh, very young underage girls some time ago. And this led to something of a division among Christians as to whether Christians could support a man with these kind of allegations uh, against him. Todd, Amy, any thoughts on this? Well, it's a really interesting case because it, it comes at a time when all of these revelations are coming out about sexual harassment from various celebrities and politicians. Right. Most of all, celeb- I mean, you've got all you know this long line of, of Hollywood folks now that are being accused of past and in the very recent past, all these indiscretions, which in many cases are not all that surprising. Some of these celebrities have have acknowledged at least in part the truthfulness of it. Uh, there's multiple allegations for many of them. Now, the interesting thing with, with Roy Moore is that these are allegations that go back, gosh, 30 years or so. And as you said, none of them have been proven. Now, I do want to say this. I'm, I'm not a, a big Roy Moore supporter. He kind of causes me to cringe most of the time when he speaks. Some of that may be fair. Some of that may be unfair. The allegations against him are kind of, variously described as a 30-year-old making advances towards 17-year-old girls. And then there was one woman that said that he touched her inappropriately. Now, there have been no allegations since that time. Now, there's also been some revelations about some of those making allegations of some real politically compromising situations they've been in, which ought to cause us at least to question the veracity of, of a few of those allegations. However, in my opinion, there are some other allegations that seem to be rather credible, but again, just just based on, on a cursory examination of them. Well, that caused an avalanche of opposition to Roy Moore, obviously from, from the left because he's very, very conservative. He's a very polarizing figure 
in American politics. But also what was interesting is the number of conservatives, well-known conservatives, who immediately began to oppose Roy Moore. And it's led to some, some speculation as to whether or not they oppose Roy Moore because they really find those allegations compelling or because they're just embarrassed by him because he can tend to be a bit of a stereotypical guy in that sense. And I think he's kind of an embarrassment to a lot of well-known Republicans. We should also add at this point that he did lose to Doug Jones in the race by a narrow margin, but that's quite remarkable in a state that's really solidly conservative like Alabama. Absolutely. And if those allegations had not come out, I don't think there's any question that he would have won rather easily. But then the, the sort of the real twist was an article written by a commentator, a Christian commentator, John Richards Jr., who argued that the victory of Doug Jones, the Democratic contender, was brought about by African American Christian women voting for him. Mm-hmm. And Richards went as far as to make the claim that this had saved evangelicalism. Because what essentially it did was it put the lie or at least helped to weaken the image of American evangelicalism as essentially, put it, a white racist outfit that cares nothing for personal morality beyond the rhetoric necessary to get one elected to power. What do you think of that, Amy? Did African-American women save evangelicalism? (laughs) Well, I just think that statement itself leads to so many more questions. Um, will politics ever save evangelicalism? Is evangelicalism worth saving? And I think one of the, the big questions that all Christians are really facing um, as we go to the polls is, which values do we hold higher than other values, I guess? Because there's values on both sides, and then you see major problems on both sides. I don't live in Alabama, but just in the presidential election, I had that same tension between virtues that I hold dear in the voting booth to where I didn't, I was unable to vote for either candidate mm-hmm. for the first time in my life. Right. So I, I think that there's a lot of questions. That was a very, that article just seemed very reductive to me yeah. because, yeah. I mean, I just don't think that it was accurate. I could see why many people would want to vote against Roy Moore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that Doug Jones is really a candidate that we would hold up to say that that a vote for him would save evangelicalism. Right. And, you know, it's interesting, and I think others have pointed this out, to say that African-American women, you know, kind of stepped in and saved the thing. Well, I mean, let's keep in mind that about 98% of African-American women always vote for Democrats. So it's not like they were going to sway it one way or the other. You know, it's not like it's a, it's a real divided group politically and and somehow at the last minute they were swayed over to vote for the, for the Democrat. I mean, that is the most solid voting block in the country. There's no other demographic that votes as monolithic as that group. So that was a to me that was an odd observation on the part of the article. Mm-hmm. I thought as well that the article takes us to the problematic heart of Christian politics in general. Mm-hmm. I think, first of all, he made a big play of, it was the sort of the triumph of a, what he described as a holistic gospel ethic. Right, Over yeah. the sort of yeah. the one issue stuff. And I think what he meant by that was these voters were not willing to allow abortion simply to be... <laughs> 
the litmus test, the touchstone issue. But of course, the problem with that is Doug Jones is, as far as I read him and understand him, a radical pro-abortionist. So essentially what Richards was saying was, well, sexual assault allegations are, you know, we can trade them off against partial birth abortion. And I think that he's not really trading in ethics. What he's actually trading in is aesthetics. And don't get me wrong, Roy Moore represents everything I despise. I love living in America, but there are certain (laughs) aspects of America I utterly despise, and he represents them all. The loud-mouthed, ignorant, brash yank. He is the sort of the, the archetypal person i despise whereas you know doug jones aesthetically is the kind of guy i like he's well turned out he's aesthetically moderate in the way he presents himself and i think that what uh, riches is talking about it's not the triumph of a holistic gospel ethic it's the triumph of an aesthetic that he approves of, right. as opposed to an aesthetic he doesn't approve of. Exactly. Mm. It appeared against the background shots of partially aborted babies. Mm-hmm. He may have been a slightly more distasteful character. Right. I was reminded, I was just reading uh, recently, a guy called Thomas de Quincey, a romantic writer from the early 19th century, writes this satirical essay on murder considered as one of the fine arts. <laughs> and he starts off by saying, you know, there are two ways you can consider murder. You can look at it morally, you know, that's how lawyers and, and um, gospel ministers generally look at it. Or we can look at it aesthetically from the art form it represents and how clever these guys are. And what he's really doing there is he's sending up the idea of a morality built on taste. Yeah. And I think that's where we are now. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I think Richard's, Richard's essay is an, an exercise in aesthetics pretending to be an exercise in ethics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, Roy Moore is not a guy who would typically attract me to vote for him for so many of the same reasons you, you mentioned. And I automatically, you know, when I hear allegations of that, that were made against Roy Moore of sexual harassment, I take those seriously. I know that there are such a thing as false allegations, but typically when there are a lot of allegations, I have to take those seriously. Now, yeah. but but the problem is is that and this was reflected in that CT article and I saw this all over Facebook of of otherwise you know conservative Christians you know celebrating that that Roy Moore lost what what they got in the place of Roy Moore was somebody who is in favor of abortion at any time for any reason including the infanticide of partial birth abortion he is in favor of government subsidizing sex change surgeries he is in favor of government subsidizing hormone treatments for prepubescent children who feel like they're in the wrong body. He is in favor of placing strictures on classroom language in terms of using gender pronouns, of striking the terms boy and girl from classrooms, etc. This is a radical man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's not a win that he won. It's not a win. And that goes to the heart of the real problem with the Richards article, is that air of self-congratulation about it yeah that mm. you know politics on one level politi- po- thinking politically is always complicated yeah. right there are a lot of subtle trade-offs that have to go when you're formulating a political philosophy but voting isn't you tick one box right. or you tick the other voting always involves the voter to some extent compromising getting mm-hmm. dirty hands i think a, a christian attitude to voting would be yeah 
I have to vote for Doug Jones, but I lament the fact the only choices I'd got was two right. men right. of great wickedness in many ways. On one side, I yeah, got to vote for the one of the other. Participation and humility. I, I feel like the Christians are polarizing themselves on this yeah. issue, and they're supporting people that really are opposed to our Christian values on mm-hmm. both sides. Mm-hmm. Like all Christians should care about the oppressed and sexual harassment and all Christians should care about life. Yeah. So, I mean, I think where's this, what Christians do we see calling for like critical engagement and participation right. and humility? Yeah. Right. I don't have a vote, but I could see myself in Alabama. I could see myself voting for Doug Jones on this basis. He's going to be a one-term Senator. Yeah, he's going to be there for three years. He's not going to be able to do much in three years. And it gives the GOP a chance to get a decent guy to stand against him next time. If you can only beat Roy Moore by the slimmest of majorities after this election campaign, you're not going to be there in three and a half years time. Mm -hmm. I could see an argument for voting for him on the grounds of, well, it'll give the Republicans a chance to get a decent candidate in. That would be my reason if I voted for him. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. I would, but I could see that rationale. No way could I see any rationale for voting for a partial birth abortionist right. and taking pride in right. it and saying that that has done anything great for the church <clears throat> whatsoever. Right, exactly. That is an utterly ridiculous, self-righteous comment. You know, write your article, but save us the self-congratulations. Sure, please. yes. Yeah, exactly. Now, let me correct you on your civics. It is six years for a senator. Oh, sorry. Wait, six years. Six years. Get rid of but, but, you know, I, on a real pragmatic sense, I agree with you in terms of the fact that the chances of Doug Jones winning a second term in Alabama are exceedingly rare. If he is as liberal a man in the Senate as all of his stated positions are, it'll be very interesting. But, yeah, and going back to a point I think that Amy was making earlier, American evangelicals need to get over this idea that somehow the, the future of Christianity in America yes. hinges on who we put in yeah. public office. Yeah, politics this, will never save no, evangelicals. This is ridiculous, yeah. and we've got to get over this. I mean, and it mm-hmm. seems like we go in waves where one generation, it'll be the left that believes that our future rests on who we put in office. I mean, that was mm-hmm. in part what was behind the idea, at least in part behind the, you know, the publication of the Christian century at the turn of the last century was this idea that, you know, we can advance the kingdom of God in part through political action. And so the left will love it for one generation, then the right will love it for one generation. It seems like now that they're both in love with the idea that we can advance the kingdom of God somehow by right. we are voting for. And it's just simply not the case. Now, who we vote for, does it make an impact on how we live and things that are going on in our country? Well, of course. But And I would even say we're morally accountable. Sure. For who we vote for. Yep. But, you know, yep. what we what we need isn't the best politician. What we need is the gospel. We need to be like the Crusaders when they would go onto the battlefield and do what they'd got to do. And then as soon as they left the battlefield, would go straight to confession or repent of their sin. <laughs> <laughs> <Going into the battle. laughs> yes, yes. Come on. Go home. That sounds like an article. But the sinful person you've just handed Pat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, again, the key here, and at the risk of sounding like a cliche and like we're banging the same drum over and over again, the the hope here is the Church of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. The Church is the kingdom of God upon the earth, not America, not any government system of politics. It is the Church of Jesus Christ. The Church has always looked irrelevant in most cases. It has oftentimes looked powerless. 
and that's not going to change. In fact, the church at its most compromised positions has been in those times when it has gained most power, not when it has seemed most powerless. Yeah. So, well, obviously, if you're a voter in Alabama, these were interesting days for you. If you voted for Doug Jones, please know you did not save Christianity or the church or evangelicalism. If Roy Moore had won, that would not have been a victory for the church or for the advance of God's kingdom. Let's continue to look to Christ and to the way that he builds his kingdom. We don't build the kingdom. We don't advance the kingdom. We receive the kingdom. We're a part of the kingdom, but it is Christ who builds it, and it's Christ who advances it through the means that he's decided in his church. So let's take our voting seriously, but let's not pat ourselves on the back too vigorously on that. Now, we do have a premium that we are incredibly excited about. It is one of Carl Truman's finer works, a bit (laughs) obscure, but I celebrate the entire catalog of Carl Truman's work. As you should, as you should. (laughs) And and I I come at Carl Truman's books with the same enthusiasm that I approach the works of Michael Bolton, for instance. (laughs) You know, that's the most painful analogy anyone's ever drawn. The whole thing is worth celebrating. The whole thing is worth celebrating. You know how it hurts a guy. (laughs) <laughs> so we oh. we have we have a massive giveaway uh, this time. just because, <laughs> just because PNR had such a hard time selling this book. We want to give some copies away. It is called Republicrat. It is Carl Truman's political stand. It is his stake in the ground. It is his declaration of independence. It is his Magna Carta. And so it is called Republicrat. And if you will be one of our fortunate guests and uh, log on to mortificationofspin.org, you can register to win a free copy of Republicat by Carl Truman. Now, until we talk to you the next time, please try to be patient. Please try to disguise your excitement because we will be back for another exciting episode of Mortification of Spin. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. To read more on hard-hitting topics like this, visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. Well, in spite of all of the demands that Amy places upon our budget, what with her Lexus lease and all of the specialty chocolates and the strawberries that we have to supply every time we record, we actually have a very modest budget, and it's supplied by a group of faithful supporters, a small group. So if you would be willing to join that group of supporters, we would love to have your support. So please visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, to make a donation. It is the gifts that you make that enable us to be a strong and independent voice in the contemporary church. And we hope that you find value in Mortification of Spin and the work that we're doing here. So again, please consider giving support, and we are certainly thankful for that.
Well, welcome to Mortification of Spin, Billy Pulpit. I'm here. I'm Carl Truman. I'm here with my usual co-host. And today we want to talk about a topic that's proved uh, somewhat contentious over the last couple of months. Uh, That is the election in Alabama for the Senate seat vacated by, uh, I've forgotten the guy's name. Who's the Attorney General? So I'll start again. Who's the Attorney General? Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions. Let me write. I'm getting senile. I need to write that down. (laughs) Well, first step is knowledge. (laughs) Yeah, that's the first step in dealing with the problem, Carl. Okay. You have one. Right, let's start again. Sorry about that, guys. (laughs) I have a problem. (laughs) Oh. Welcome to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit. My name's Carl Truman. I'm the pastor of Cornerstone Presbyterian Church in Ambler in Pennsylvania, and I'm here with my two regular co-hosts, Amy Bird, the housewife theologian, and uh, Pastor Todd Pruitt, who is pastor of a very large PCA church in Virginia. <laughs> uh, good to have you both uh, with us again. Uh, that's sorry, I better do that again. You're not guests, are you? Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. I think we need oh, to make a, I'm just a kind button of on the podcast. The aging Carl Truman. Of yeah. Carl saying, I have a problem. <laughs> I have two special on guests. on the website, today. so we can just push it and hear him say that whenever we want. Like an easy button. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> Let's start again. If I fail this time, one of you can do it. <laughs> I'll just resign. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Mortification of Spin Bully Pulpit. My name's Carl Truman. 